0: Hey, Rarecast listeners, this year, Global Genes is bringing together its Rare Health Equity Forum and Rare Advocacy Summit for the Week in Rare, which will also include its Rare Champions of Hope Awards ceremony and annual membership meetings for the Global Advocacy Alliance and Rare Corporate Alliance. This is a unique opportunity to gather and engage with rare disease advocates and leaders in the same space for conversations. Join us September 18th to 21st in San Diego, California for the Global Genes Week in Rare. For more information, go to www.globalgenes.org and click on Events under the Connect tab. Hope to see you there. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Cystic fibrosis is a rare disease that's been an area of significant innovation. New therapies have provided life-changing treatments for most patients. But about 10% of people with the condition don't benefit from these treatments because of the specific mutations underlying their condition. We spoke to Jamie Chang, Senior Medical Director at the contract research organization, Roe, about the advances that have been made to treat cystic fibrosis the treatment gap that remains, and what's working its way through the pipeline that may change that. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. We're going to talk about cystic fibrosis, rho and how it leverages its clinical expertise in this area to help drug developers advance their candidates into development. Let's start with cystic fibrosis. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is it?
1: Sure. Uh, so it is um, a genetic condition um, where um, uh, patients would inherit um, uh, two copies of a gene that leads to um, to leads to a protein not functioning, um, and that um, that essentially leads to sort of all the different manifestations of cystic fibrosis, which include you know lung disease uh, and other organ systems as well. It's actually pretty common. uh, You know, uh, and it's probably the most common. um, It is the most common uh, autosomal recessive disorder in Caucasians, about one in three thousand or so. Um, So that means that it's 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 actually a fairly common um, rare disease. I'll say.
0: This is a pulmonary disease, but the effects go well beyond the lungs. How does it manifest itself and progress?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um I think that's a really important thing that you bring up. It's um you, we the you know, in in cystic fibrosis, uh sort of the main main um organ system we think about are the lungs. Um and that's because obviously because of their huge role in sort of, you know, day-to-day life, um uh, you know, exchanging gas, um breathing, all those things are obviously um sort of things that that patients will feel if they're they're not working correctly, but because of the, this um, the condition, it leads to a protein that's in different tissues. It's in uh, it's in your GI tract, it's in your pancreas, uh, in lots of different places. So, in addition to the, the lung manifestations, which could be shortness of breath, or maybe they can't uh, cystic fibrosis patient can't exercise uh, as much. You know, they may have other things. They may have trouble sort of getting the normal nutrition because they can't digest fats and proteins uh, for for, uh, like people who who don't have the the, uh, condition or they may develop diabetes uh, because the pancreas is involved, uh, not only in digestion, but also involved in sort of, you know, controlling energy metabolism. So insulin and those things as well. So it is for sure a multi-system disease uh, and that, that, you know, really requires a lot of attention for the patients and their families and sort of the care teams that they're involved.
0: It's one of these diseases where people who have the condition can look quite normal from the outside, and people can be quite unaware of the fact that they have this. What's it like to live with cystic fibrosis? What what impact does it have on someone's day-to-day life?
1: Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, as I sort of mentioned, you know, it really, because it sort of has impacts on all these potential um, different different body systems... You know cystic fibrosis patients really they spend they have a lot of their time that they need to sort of dedicate to routines whether that's you know taking the medications that that help them digest food better, or sort of wearing one of these uh, the the vest that helps sort of break up a lot of the mucus in their lungs. Uh, this is sort of you know part of the routine of their their day to day life is sort of making sure that they're tending to all, you know all the sort of the things that will will keep them well and keep them keep them feeling well. So, you know it. It used to be, and this is part of what we'll talk about, but it used to be that this would really limit sort of, you know, even extracurricular activities and sports. And, and there's just been so much sort of progress in this field in the last couple of years. Those, those, those things are are becoming less and less common.
0: Well, this is an area where there has been significant therapeutic advances that have benefited many people with cystic fibrosis. As a physician who's treated patients with a condition, how has the landscape changed for people with cystic fibrosis and how have new therapies changed the natural history of this condition?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. It's, um, it, it's, um, it, it's been pretty amazing uh, just to sort of see, even in the last, you know, 10, 10 years or so, uh, some of the advances. And probably one of the biggest advances has been uh, in the in development of uh, medications called um, CFTR modulators um and just to step back just a little bit the CFTR is the protein that i sort of referenced uh in the first question this is this is the protein that doesn't quite work the way it's supposed to uh in cystic fibrosis and that's what the results in all the different uh manifestations that we sort of talk about the lungs and the pancreas and the, and the gastrointestinal system um these these modulators uh essentially are medications that help help this protein that's not quite you know, that not quite functional function better. Uh and they are uh they do so in such a way that they sort of they improve the they improve quality of life. They uh reduce sort of that, that degree like how they feel short of breath and the loss of lung function as well. And those the modulators have really I think made some really incredible sort of benefits in terms of quality of life for the cystic fibrosis patients as well. Um, so, you know And that, combined with some of the other therapies, you know, sort of the you know average lifespan, you know, twenty years ago was for cystic fibrosis, you know, sort of in the thirties. It's now solidly in the fifties, and 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 even older now. So it's uh, it's just it's been an incredible uh, journey, and it's just amazing how much progress has been made in the last couple of years.
0: There are some two thousand known mutations that underlie the development of cystic fibrosis. One of the challenges with genetic targeted medicines is that. They may work on one or more mutations, but not others. What gaps exist in treatments for cystic fibrosis today?
1: yeah um, so that 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 number of mutations in any uh, is in any genetic sort of condition can be can, can seem overwhelming from from the outside I think um, so you know, in the traditional paradigm, you know we think of you know for each sort of mutation, there's going to be you know a gene therapy, right something that repairs or replaces. Uh, that that gene that's just not you know that has that mutation in it, um, and that that may be that may be the way that may be the future. Um, but the you know the gene the gene therapy technology it's it's not it's not there yet for like sort of like develop sort of like mass you know like just be able to develop a, a gene therapy for a specific mutation right away. The gene editing that's certainly that's certainly coming down the pike, and that could certainly be a possibility um but the one thing about the cystic fi- about cystic fibrosis which is interesting is that a lot of those mutations that you you mentioned the oh, 2000 they all they all sort of have the end same end product uh they all result in this protein that i've mentioned the cftr this this channel not not functioning uh totally correctly so you know a lot of the gene therapy um approaches now are actually working toward well, you may have a particular mutation, but at the end of the day, you need a functional copy of this gene. So basically having gene therapies that target that insert, you know, regardless of the mutation, I'll qualify that in a second. <laughs> um, they will insert a, a attempt to assert a gene, a CF, CFTR gene that will actually work. So regardless of that mutation. Now, back to sort of the, the, the gaps or the challenges, that approach is not necessarily going to work for all for all mutations in cystic fibrosis, and that's sort of part of probably, probably why what, what you're asking the question, and that gets to these this eight to ten percent of the cystic fibrosis patients for which these modulators, these these therapies that I've talked about, uh, they don't work, uh, and they don't work because these patients don't make any protein at all, so that you can't really have a, you can't act on it if you don't have that. So, the, the you know the gap here is that there's you know eight to ten percent of cystic fibrosis patients who not only don't have access to these modulators uh but the the sort of the gene therapies that are being developed uh for and other you know for, are not particularly applicable to them so that's one of the big gaps uh i think in terms of cystic fibrosis is this this you know the 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 ten percent that the final ten percent uh who don't have any available therapies um you know sort of disease modifying therapies available to them
0: in, in the world of rare disease this is one of the relatively larger indications which is made it attractive for drug companies to pursue. As we dig down into the mutations with unmet need, is there some point at which the indication becomes too small to be attractive to pharmaceutical companies?
1: Yeah, that's such such a great question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think cystic fibrosis has been, I think, um, is really uh, what I want to say just really been very lucky in the sense that there is so much energy and advocacy for uh and we'll talk about the cystic fibrosis foundation a bit more, but uh that this hasn't really um manifest in the cystic fibrosis field and just to give sort of an an example of that some of this the some of the ultra rare mutations that i that i've uh mentioned uh sort of that eight to ten percent there is a company actively developing a therapy for this, and this is a very small portion of the cystic fibrosis patients. And, and I think to answer the question more directly, um, the, there, it might be, yes, it's just this very rare this rare mutation that, you know, in, a few, in a few patients, but part of this is that the technologies that are being used and are being developed may have broader applicability. Uh, maybe within that therapeutic area, but also outside the therapeutic area. So, whatever technologies are being used to sort of target these very rare mutations, they may, may be more applicable to uh, to other areas. Um, and I also just want to take it to sort of you know, for the regulatory authorities, the FDA and the EMA, they they really they're very the orphan drug uh, designation. These programs. There's a lot of incentives for, 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 for companies to sort of invest time, energy, resources in, in developing these therapies uh, that can be a win-win for certainly for patients uh, and for the companies alike.
0: Roe is a contract research organization that works in many areas, but it has developed strong capabilities within cystic fibrosis. What's it done in this area and what does it offer a drug company client?
1: Yeah. And if I could um, thank you for that, if I could just step back a little bit and say, so Roe started uh, in the cystic fibrosis field probably about 2012 or so. And that actually was with um, I've talked about some of the digestive therapies um, and that's was sort of our first um, foray into into this community and this this uh, this incredibly amazing advocacy network. Um, and, uh, you know, a few people who still are at Rome actually sort of proactively reached out to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which again, for any listeners uh, who are not aware of this or who are looking at are building advocacy groups, this is a, this, they have really, they have a great formula for building a very strong advocacy uh, network. But, um, and so we reached out to them, um, and they, um, we've communicated with them since. Uh, to sort of know what's going on uh, in the space, sort of what's going on with the patients, uh, and also have sort of learned of the therapeutic development network, which is called the TDN. Uh, this is a, uh, a scientific body that essentially reviews all the sort of proposed research in the cystic fibrosis field to sort of make sure that the research that's being done is really sort of progressing uh, things forward as well. So, We've had a nice sort of, um, you know, communicate with them on a regular basis, uh, you know, sort of outside of our work with, with, um, with clients, but also uh, with clients just sort of navigating how things work as well. So I think that sort of the knowledge of the space um, of the cystic fibrosis and the TDN, I think that we bring a lot to the table in terms of clients start thinking about developing therapies in the cystic fibrosis space. Um, I think that's probably one of the main contributions that, that we can assist. The other part is um, because of our work with the foundation and with um, patients and sites, we understand the, the, the patient experience, which includes the family. Like any rare disease, you have to think about the family when you're thinking about how 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 do we make this <laughs> as convenient as possible for the patient uh, and the families who already are very busy and all you have to sort of have these things to go on to. So. We think when, when clients come the road, they'll sort of have that sort of experience with the sort of the advocacy groups and the scientific body that sort of governs the research, but also understanding the patient and the family experience um, and for, for anyone for anyone going into a clinical trial for cystic fibrosis.
0: You mentioned the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which has really been a, a powerhouse uh, in, in the drug development side and, and brought a lot of resources to bear. To what extent when you're designing a trial, are you, are you working with the client and, and really getting that kind of input from a patient organization like like the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation?
1: Yeah, thank you. So So, so quite often, as I said, you know we have sort of interactions, sort of communications with, uh, with the, the CF, CF foundation and the therapeutic the, the TDN. Um, so they know they know who we are. Um, we've been through, you know, we've worked through with other clients. We've sort of worked through, uh, they're getting their programs out there. So, um, we work very closely with, uh, with the cystic fibrosis foundation, the TDN and sort of bring what experience we've had from prior projects to the clients. Um, so hopefully we're giving them, you know, that much more upfront that they sort of are that, that much, that much ahead of the game, uh, when they hit the ground running. Uh, but we, you know, we're really making an effort to sort of actively engage with with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for for many all the reasons we've sort of already talked about.
0: Yeah, I think there are well-known challenges to developing a, a therapy for a rare disease, given the the small populations, the the heterogeneity of these conditions, and the fact that populations may be geographically dispersed. Are Are there any particular challenges to clinical development? In cystic fibrosis, than what most people might think of, are are there challenges that are particular to the condition itself?
1: Yeah. Um, so one one, and this is a good thing. <laughs> there's so much there's so much research going on in cystic fibrosis um, that you know, making sure that you you know that you there will be there will be patients that would that would want to participate, uh, that would be available to participate um is is a big thing um and that's a good i think that's a that's a good problem to have from the patient's perspective <laughs> um you know but it's something that really sort of keep in mind given how active this space is and just sort of how much energy there is um sponsors sort of entering this space just have, have an idea of that there you know oftentimes is a lot going on at a given time and just sort of um you know we have a pretty good sense like i said from our communications sort of what's going on at a given time one thing that's also sort of very specific to the cystic fibrosis space, um, as I maybe mentioned or didn't mention earlier on, one of the manifestations is, you're, you know, you produce a lot of mucus uh, or sputum, um, and a lot of times that, that sputum uh, is something that, that um, sponsors and companies want to collect because it tells a lot of what's going on inside the patient's lungs. You know, are you decreasing the infections? Are you decreasing the inflammation? All things that are very important to understanding, might your therapy actually work in these patients? Uh, And then again, this is a good thing, but with the modulators, uh, a lot lot of cystic fibrosis patients, they don't have, they really can't produce sputum anymore um and so because of this we sort of had to you know, think out the box things outside the box and sort of like how do you collect this sample when you know they, they might show up to the clinical site and they say we need a sample this that we can't do it um so Roe has worked with a lot of sponsors to sort of work at home collection how do you uh, on their own terms patients collect it you know make sure it's taken care of and shipped and you know if the quality is 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 good and it makes it to the lab safely so that's that's one thing that I would just uh, point to, to sponsors: is that if you're interested in a sputum as sort of a biomarker and you're looking at that as well, uh, there may be some challenges in terms of getting those, those collections. But we certainly have some ideas on how you might you might do that if that's part of your program.
0: You talked a little about the possibility of gene therapy and gene editing, but you know, as you look at the development landscape, where do you see therapies for cystic fibrosis going? And are there things that particularly excite you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think the 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 eight to ten percent those that we've talked that I've re- referenced a few times. Um, there is a lot of energy in a specific company. I think the company's name is Splice Sense. I think, but they are they are working to you know to actively find a way to get a therapy for these patients who don't have the modulators, who don't have other treatment options as well. Um, most. There is a lot of activity for sure within gene therapy, whether that's DNA, whether that's mRNA, whether that's using viruses or liposomes, or the liver. There's, there, there's, there's a lot lot going on here and, and given it's a single gene disorder, I think there's a great potential here for for, for, for cures. Um, there's still There's still a lot to learn about the gene therapies um, in a lot of ways. Um, and in the meantime, I think we, you know we can't lose sight of sort of you know we need to develop other therapies that can sort of address ongoing issue. So whether it's the digestion and the, and the potential of the malabsorption and nutrition issue, whether it's developing more antimicrobials or, anti, or antibiotics to help sort of fight the infections that these patients have, as we're sort of figuring out what gene, gene editing or what gene therapy technology is going to work, you know, we really have to sort of keep keep our eye on, on developing some of these these therapies that are going to bridge these patients until these, these therapies are available. And if I may do one more plug for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, um, They have if you if you Google um, cystic fibrosis pipeline, uh, it will list all the therapies that are being developed in cystic fibrosis by category. So you'll see like gene therapy, you'll see you know uh, absorption, you'll see infection, you know fighting infections. It's a wonderful wonderful resource to sort of know what's out there. On that same page is also where where patients can find out where to sign up for these or where to find out more information about these studies. So lots lots coming down the pike. Um, the gene therapy is super exciting for sure. Uh, in the meantime, though, just thinking about sort of what kind of therapies we can also develop to, to kind of bridge until we really understand this technology and really embrace it.
0: Well, as a physician who's treated patients at a time when there were fewer therapeutic options and now involved in clinical development, what's it been like to see all the activity in this area?
1: Yeah, I think you probably can guess my answer. <laughs> Um. Uh, the um. The it, it's beyond sort of exciting, and like I mean, you can just you can look at you can look at the statistics, in terms of just you know just quality of life and lifespan as well. But just to sort of see, I think the overall the improvements in quality of life and the ability to participate in more activities, that I think I think from any any perspective, any healthcare providers is probably what you know you can't you can't ask ask for more in terms of that. So um this th- as i mentioned, this is such a this is such a dynamic and energetic community um the 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 resources and focus are just are just really something to model I think after if you're looking for sort of organizations and sort of how how to model their uh their foundations, their advocacy groups.
0: Jamie Chang, senior Medical director for Roe Jamie, thanks so much for your time today.
1: No, thank you. I appreciate the
0: time.